Hello and welcome back to the Vol Report Show. I'm Ryan Sylvia. This is Noah Taylor. We are with TheVolReport.com on the Rivals Network. And on Saturday, myself and Noah were in the mid-state to watch Tennessee take on Virginia in the season opener. Of course, that went down 49-13 in the favor of the Vols as they got out to a 1-0 start. And we gave our, our kind of instant takeaways right after it happened on the field. But it, we've had a, a day or two to let it simmer now to, to really think about it, to go back, rewatch the game, and, and kind of really finalize our thoughts on what we saw. So let's talk about it a little bit before we jump into what we're going to see this Saturday against Austin P. So not only rewind back to that Virginia game, but take a look ahead. Without further ado, let's jump into those Virginia thoughts. Biggest takeaway from Joe Milton is, is what we're going to touch on first, of course, QB1 for Tennessee. A lot of questions around that position, not in terms of who would be there, but in what we would get out of Milton, who, who was the undisputed starter. So Noah, first start of the 2023 season for Joe Milton, fifth start in orange. What were your thoughts on him? Yeah, I thought overall it was a solid showing for him. Like you said, we we talked about it after the game immediately and and, and have had, you know, two days here now to, to kind of watch some highlights, go back and see what he did. Obviously, you know, some throws there I'm sure he'd like to have back. And then there were some throws that, that were on the money that just didn't, you know, go in his favor. And then obviously something he can't control. But yeah, and maybe some of that is expected in, in week one. But I think really – you know, he settled in late in that second quarter. And then from there, it was just kind of what we've grown accustomed to see out of this Tennessee offense. You know, they, the game just was out of reach at that point. By halftime, they were able to kind of turn it on. And um, But I, I think I was, you know, pretty impressed with what he was able to do. Um, I, I think if we're talking biggest takeaways, what he did with his legs, what was uh, kind of the headliner for me, I think that you when know, we talked at the beginning of the season, what – how much would Tennessee use him in the run game? Because we know they did a lot with Hendon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, he scored two touchdowns, picked up a critical first down on a run. So I think that was probably my biggest takeaway from him was being able to see how he did there. And, you know, I guess we'll see going forward how much Tennessee uses him in that way. But, you know, we got maybe a little bit of a snapshot of it in week one. Yeah, you, you hit on it for me with uh, had a couple of really nice throws, even if they weren't reeled in, and then had a couple he probably wanted back. That was my biggest takeaway. Not that I'm sitting here worried that he's not going to kind of fine-tune some of those throws that he didn't hit on, but he, he did miss on a handful of throws. You think back, uh, first or second quarter, he had Ramel Keaton over the middle on a third down, wide open, easy gain. You got to hit that throw, lets it sail on him. It's high. Ramel can't bring it in. Not not Ramel's fault on that one. But then you think about that throw to Ramel, that it was Ramel's fault <laughs> down the field, where Joe puts it absolutely on the money, 60 yards down the field, and, and Ramel can't bring it in. So there was a little bit of both. When I rewatched the game, I rem- obviously I remember this play when it happened, but it didn't stand out to me after the game. It wasn't on the top of my mind. But a play from Joe Milton that had me pretty excited for what he can do was the incomplete pass to Brew McCoy in the end zone. Yeah. Out of bounds. Brew McCoy reeled it in. He caught it. was a phenomenal catch, just half his foot inbounds, half his foot out of bounds. That was a – Pretty perfect throw from Joe Milton. It's a really tough play to make. It's a play that even if everything goes right, which it did, both players make a great play in terms of Joe Milton and Brew McCoy. It's, you still have to have some luck on your side almost to, to make sure it stays in balance and, or, and it is complete. That throw by Joe Milton kind of showed me 
how refined he is at this point in his career. Obviously, in the late stages of his career, he's been at Tennessee for three years now. I don't know if that's a throw that you consistently see him make when he first stepped foot on campus. But the fact that he was able to pull that out, that he hit Ramel in a kind of a weird throw where he couldn't throw it too hard with the safety over the top, and and he couldn't obviously throw it too short with the cornerback trailing Ramel, kind of put it on the money late in that game too to pick up a a gain of about 30. So some of those throws were what stood out to me on the rewatch where it was like, yeah, he, he missed on some, but I think he'll be able to correct those. Those really nice throws, even though they, they didn't really take the headlines because they didn't necessarily find the end zone, th- those are what stood out to me from Joe Milton's performance. It, it's kind of those caliber throws that he was able to make. We'll move on from Joe Milton and talk about what really took the headlines from the game, and that's going to be the defense. I, I mean, I don't think a lot of people expected Tennessee's defense to come in and play like they did. UVA's offense is bad. Let, let's call it how it is. It, it's a bad offense. It's not a team that – anyone thought was going to necessarily be a threat to come in and just do what they wanted to with Tennessee's defense to make this a game. I think most people expected the score at the end of the day to look around 10 to 20 points, but Virginia had phenomenal field position for pretty much the entire (laughs) half, whether it was kickoffs that went out of bounds, punch that went less than 20 yards, D Williams fumbling, Virginia had every opportunity to score and to make this a ball game. And Tennessee's defense just was lights out with that starting unit. Of course, they gave up a touchdown late, but that's a point of the game where there's not really a lot of starters on the field. There's still a handful of when they're kind of transitioning into those reserves. But when it was that group that they needed to stop with and that that's going to be the guys on the field against Georgia, against Alabama, and, and when you need a big stop in a big game, they didn't let Virginia really get an inch. Negative rushing yards at half. So how impressed were you with the defense? What stood out to you on the defense side of the ball? What were your thoughts, Noah? Yeah, I, I think, you know, one of their best performances under this staff. And like you said, I know it's Virginia, but, you know, a power five opponent. And I, I don't think I don't think it was so much that they played really, really well. It was just how little time they wasted doing it. It was kind of just yeah. you knew – right out of the gate on Virginia's first drive, how good you just kind of had, once they made that impact to that, that statement, I guess, on that opening drive, you, you, you kind of knew as they were in for a really good day. Um, I think that that bodes well for this team going forward. Um, they were just, you know, suffocating Tony Musket back there. And for, I mean, it was a team all off season. We heard them, you know, we, they were good stopping the run last year, the defensive front, but they wanted to affect the quarterback. They wanted to get to the quarterback better and you could not, if you're Tennessee, you could not have asked for a better start if that's your goal, you know, for them. And again, it's Virginia. They're, they're going to face better offensive fronts, offensive teams, better quarterbacks, but a, a real a confidence builder for that team that at times last year was a liability, the defense. And, uh, you know, didn't get to see a ton out of the secondary, I guess, because Virginia was never able to really establish a, a real passing game. But um, that's something, obviously, I, I know we'll talk about in a minute. We'll look forward to uh, probably this week. But overall, just a really kind of elite performance out of the defense this week. Yeah, yeah, I think elite's a great word for it. You really couldn't ask for a much better job. You mentioned how it was right out of the gates, didn't waste any time, kind of getting those stops, setting the tone on the defensive end, and, and kind of letting Virginia know that it's not going to be easy. Well, it was also – they didn't waste any time on drives. It wasn't like they yeah. were – bending and not breaking there was no bend a lot of the times yeah and that's something that we didn't necessarily see a lot last year I feel like 
in, in games for Tennessee, you would see that defense give up 40 yards on a drive and then finally get that stop, hold them to three, maybe force a, a punt that pins the offense deep, which is fine. It, it's better than giving up a touchdown. But against Virginia, it, I don't have the exact numbers of how many three and outs it was or how many first downs Virginia gained off the top of my head. But, I mean, tennis, it felt like a lot of three and outs, Tennessee force, or at least one first down and then you're off the field. And I think that was a big deal as well where, like we said, Virginia's offense is not of the caliber of, honestly, maybe any offense in the SEC. <laughs> it, it, might be, it might be worse than all 14 SEC offenses. However... That's still a really impressive job. You didn't do it against Austin P. You didn't do it against UT Martin. It is a Power 5 school with, with Power 5 talent to a certain extent. So I was really impressed with what they did and, and the quickness that they did with it. Not even not a bend but don't break, just not even bending in the first place. So Tennessee's defense will have to look out. I expect a similar performance next week against Austin P. Or I guess this week against Austin P. now. But... <laughs> When they go to the swamp will be, I guess, their first true test. Florida's offense also not looking lethal at the moment, but that'll be their biggest test to date. And I think it'll tell you a lot about the true caliber of this defense. Were they just beating up on some lesser opponents or are they actually a, a pretty solid unit that's going to help Tennessee win some football games this year? But I want to talk about overall as a whole. No, was there anything overarching that stood out to you? What was your biggest takeaway from the win? I, you know, I feel like I've, I've talked about this one a ton, but the run game was just so impressive for Tennessee. And, and you know, a, a team that, that it's bread and butter last year was passing the ball. Obviously, when you have guys like Jalen Hyatt having the kind of season he had and then Hendon Hooker, that makes a lot of sense. But this year, I was really interested to see how they do in the run game because, you know, and, and it's something that the coach staff, they emphasize. They have for a long time since they've gotten here. And I think it is a misconception that, that Tennessee doesn't lean on it enough, but they kind of had to in some in some cases on Saturday. You kind of got that vibe when they got off to that slow start offensively that they were like, okay, we're going to have to ride the run game here a little bit to get some momentum going, and uh, they delivered. And it's a group that brought back, you know, a ton of experience, and um, you kind of, you know, saw a little bit of what Dylan Sampson was able to do last season. How was he going to look? You know, how is Jalen Wright going to look? How is Jabari going to look after missing the spring? And I think you got a lot out of all three of those guys. Dylan obviously having the four touchdowns, doing it both ways, catching one and then running in three. And then obviously Jalen Wright, who didn't score, but had 115 yards rushing and averaged, you know, close to 10 yards a carry. I think that group was, was the biggest standout for me. And, man, if they're going to get the passing game, I, I hate to even use the word fixed because it's not broken. I mean, obviously it's still really good. But that, that's going to become, you know, you'll, you'll probably see some games this year where they do look like last year, where they are throwing it all over the field. If you can have pair that with a really good run game, which Tennessee showed on Saturday, that's, I mean, this offense is, is not going to have any drop off at all, I think. Yeah, I heard some uh, UVA fans talking and they were like, you know, well, we got killed, but positive takeaway we didn't let Tennessee do what they want to do and hit on those big explosive <laughs> plays. We made them run the ball. And I just wanted to be like, that's what Tennessee wanted to do in the first place. Yeah, yeah you could tell <laughs> it was kind of the game plan going in, really. Yeah, <laughs> It wasn't that you, you forced Tennessee into running the ball, which is something they never do or anything like that. Yeah. It was, no, they, not only did they go into the game, specifically Virginia, wanting to get the run game going, but that's their plan every game is they yeah. want a good split because you can't set up the big play without the run plays. And 
and they have a good trio of backs and, and they want to get the ball in their hands because they know that they can hit on big plays like they did. So I, I thought that was, was a little funny as well when I heard that. It was like, not not quite, but, you know, I, I guess you, you can spin it however you want. But, uh, yeah, the, the running back group did a really good job uh, kind of setting the tone early, I thought, too. Jalen Wright getting some handoffs on, on that first drive. I remember for a little bit we were in the press box looking at each other and we were like, I mean, do you just feed it to Jalen Wright all the way into the end zone? It was like the first five plays were just yeah. – like, dump offs to, to Jalen Wright or handoffs to Jalen Wright and, and it didn't look like he could be stopped. So that, yeah, that running back room looked really effective. And, and I think that's going to be something like, like we just talked about that Tennessee's going to rely on throughout this season uh, to make sure that their offense kind of can get going. My biggest takeaway though, was Josh Heupel's trust in the team. You could tell that he has a lot of confidence in this offense. Maybe you could argue that it's some, yeah, you kind of have to pretend even if you're not the first game, but but it seemed real on those first two drives when I think a lot of coaches on a fourth and five in the red zone are just going to take their three to open the season, get on the board and get going. Hypo said, let's go for it. And, and all of his players, uh, I think Dylan Sampson said he was nodding at Hypo from, from the field, like, come on, let's do it, let's do it. Obviously, Sampson, the one that ended up finding the end zone on that play. But that says a lot that Hypo trusted them in that moment. What said even more to me is when you're pinned at like your own 30 or 25 yard line on a fourth and one, a lot of coaches are like, all right, let's get this offense off the field and not give up any field position. Heupel gets, uh, I, I think it was Jabari Small, he, he called, he gets stuffed at the line. They don't pick it up. That says a lot to me that Heupel in that situation too was like, all right, let's get the offense on the field. Like I said, you, you can kind of argue that you have to do that if you're Heupel and, and even if you don't truly believe, kind of pretend that you have confidence and make your guys feel like you do. But that second one, when you're pinning your own territory, <laughs> that 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 to me shows you have true confidence in your offense to to do what it wants with, with these defenses. So that was my biggest takeaway is, is I think Heupel's pretty confident with what this offense can do. I think he knows that Milton's going to, like I said, not that the offense is broke, but maybe can get refined yeah. a, a little bit and, and kind of, Never, it'll never be perfect. No offense is ever perfect, but but move towards that a little bit, and uh, really be dangerous uh, as this season progresses. And you, you don't want to compare to Hendon Hooker. You don't want to compare to last year, but but maybe start to kind of take a step back towards that level as, as this team kind of gets used to each other and the new pieces that are everywhere across the offense. But that was my biggest takeaway. Hypo seemed very confident, obviously on both sides of the ball, but really showed it by going for it three times on fourth down throughout the game. Let's jump into the Austin P game though. We'll close the book on the Virginia game, Tennessee taking that one 49 to 13 on Saturday in the mid state. But now the balls return home to Knoxville season opener in Neyland stadium sold out game. I expect there to not be an empty seat in the house as Vol fans have been waiting very anxiously for Tennessee to return well, this morning we got some news. Smoky gray uniforms for the Vols. Felt like a little weird at first. It was like, for Austin P. this is usually for Florida in 2016 or, or on the road against LSU last year. Like, these are usually reserved for big games. Makes a lot of sense. that They clarify it a little bit. 51 years to the day on Saturday will be the artful Dodger, Condredge Holloway's first start at Tennessee becoming the first black quarterback to make a start in SEC history. No, I know you're kind of our our 
history buff uh, <laughs> when it comes to Tennessee football. You, you like to dive into to those uh, older games at this point. What were your thoughts on those jerseys? Uh, do you like how they paid uh, kind of tribute to Holloway and just are you excited for, for Saturday to see those in action? Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of have a fun story when I was at a different uh, outlet, media outlet before here, I wrote a paper or a, <laughs> an article I'm talking like I'm still in school. I wrote an article about uh, the 1972 Penn State game, which would have been Condridge's first start in Neyland. The week before that, the mm-hmm. September 9th game that they're celebrating this week, uh, that was his first start, obviously, and, and they played at Georgia Tech. And um, I was talking with um, Bill Battle, who, who was Tennessee's head coach at the time, and uh, asked him about that game, what that meant, obviously, you know, the magnitude of that. And uh, he said the kind of the moment he knew Condridge – was going to be special was on an interception. He threw a pick in the red zone and uh, the defensive back for Georgia tech had, you know, what looked like a walk-in touchdown 90 yards downfield and, and Condridge caught him from behind and Georgia tech ended up settling for a, a field goal on that drive. So kind of a cool story about, you know, Bill battles perspective. Obviously he was his head coach brought him here, but to your point, yeah, I was a little bit surprised. Austin P was the game that they were going to, to break these out. But when, when you look at the date and everything, that makes a lot of sense. Um, but really cool, really cool way to pay homage. I know when Tennessee came out last year and said they were going to reintroduce the Smokey Greg uniforms, they, they said they were going to do it in a very unique way that they were going to each year, the Smokey Greg uniform would pay homage to something in, in Tennessee football history or some kind of tradition. And uh, when these leaked a few weeks ago, I think the retail version, yeah. you kind of, it was kind of mixed reviews, but I think now that you've seen the pictures of Joe Milton, you know, wearing it, you know, that, that Tennessee's posted on social media, it looks a lot better, you know, in the pad. So very excited to see that and just see the way that they kind of honor Condridge at the game Saturday. And then when they announced, they're like, yeah, we have this many years with this many different jerseys, a new one every year. I was like, how are you possibly going to change <laughs> a smoky gray jersey this many times? Well, this this is how, uh, and I, I really liked it. You mentioned that they kind of leaked in the retail version and the jerseys never look good on a retail rack. And, and I kind of realized that when it dropped, it was like, yeah, of course, when it's this long sleeve, like <laughs> down to your elbow sleeved jersey, it's not going to look as cool as when it's on a player running 20 miles an hour down the sideline. But <laughs> yeah, we saw the pictures of Joe Milton in them today. And I, I think that they look pretty sick. And I, I saw the the comments. I was, I was reading through them because I was curious because, like you said, a lot of mixed reviews. A lot of people on one hand being like, no, yeah, I think they'll look better in person. A lot of people like these are horrifically ugly. Saw the comments on, on the Joe Milton pictures and a lot of people were, were, were thumbs up on it. So I think that'll be cool. I think people are excited to see the Smoky Grays back in action. They're a fan favorite, of course. So interesting to see how they look uh, team wide on the field on Saturday. I'm also interested to see what they look like next year. Uh, very <laughs> anticipatory of me to, to be looking that far ahead, but I, I'm just so curious to see kind of how, how these evolve throughout the years and, and what they end up landing on. But uh, yes, yeah, Smokey Gray's this Saturday in Neyland Stadium should be a fun time as the Vols face Austin P. Of course, we'll be there to cover it in person. While we're watching it, what's the thing that you have your eyes on the most, Noah? What's the biggest thing you're looking out for can look at it as a key to the game. You can look at it as a as a takeaway. But just what's one thing that'll be in your head throughout the entire game as you're watching? I think I'm interested to see some of the rotations they run out with, and that could be anywhere. You know, the offensive line because we're not really sure. You know, what Cooper May status is this week. Maybe we'll find out this today. And you know, when we talk to Josh Heupel, 
But uh, I think in the secondary, especially, I think that, you know, to bring up that Virginia game again, I think there was a point in that game late where you and I were talking about, you know, the secondary and the defensive backs. And, and we were like, man, they've pretty much kept a lot of the same guys in. Uh, there's a lot of the starters had stayed in, I think. And Hypel was asked about that after the game, about those five guys. And, and he still remained adamant about, look, we're still going to play a lot of guys back there. And I think this is that game where you're going to see a ton. You're going to really get to see the depth um, because I think you can afford to. Uh, just roll some guys out there, get them some playing experience, which you're going, going to need. And that's another thing overall, another overall takeaway, what they do with Florida looming, because this is a really good opponent to try to, you know, maybe work some things out, fine tune some of the offensive stuff. But I think for me, the rotations in the secondary are something to keep an eye on. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the snap counts for the safety position yeah. specifically, <laughs> It's all Wesley Walker and Jalen McColo. They did not want to pull those guys out of the game. So, yeah, like you said, I'm interested to see. This is the time where you're going to rotate a lot of guys. You're going to see who you have and who you don't have and who you can trust. I'm interested to see at that safety position specifically, who, who, are, who are some of these guys that are coming in to relieve Jalen McColo and Wesley Walker? And can they be trusted? If you can't be trusted against Austin P, you're not going to be trusted in SEC play. So yeah. I think that'll be – Really interesting uh, to kind of see what happens there. I'm also just like my key to the game. My my thing I'll be looking out for is just don't get injured. Don't don't have yeah. Akron. Don't don't don't, <laughs> don't have your star receiver go down and and really never come back the whole season. Like let let's take care of ourselves. If we're Joe Milton and we're scrambling and and we're picking up yards with our legs, like which we said he did a really good job of against Virginia. Let's not pick up an extra four yards. Let's just get out of bounds. Let's slide. <laughs> it's fine. Let, let's let's stay healthy moving into Florida. There's no reason to to put ourselves in, in too much of a danger. So that, that's another thing I'm looking out for. It's an obvious thing. It's something that, of course, you never want to see in any game, but it just feels like all these games that, that should be 50-point blowouts, there, there's always one person on the team, some critical piece that, at least gets banged up a little bit. It makes you hold your breath. Even if they're fine, it's just like, oh, okay. So so I, I'm looking for Tennessee to avoid that because, like I said, we'll see what Cooper May's status is. Will he come back for this game? We'll see probably later today when Josh Heupel's asked, uh, or at least he'll, he'll be asked, and we'll see if he gives any sort of answer. But will he even be back for Florida? We'll have to wait and see as well. So really can't afford too many more injuries, and that's something that I think will be – critical well let's talk projected mvp of the game obviously probably not going to be a player that puts tennessee over the top on a big play with 10 seconds left but who's going to be that big standout for the balls against austin p man yeah it's kind of a tough one because i feel like you know you, you like you said it's not going to be a guy where you're like even saturday you know when when tennessee's offense is off kind of do a slow start you have that one play that kind of turns it up for them. I don't think you're even going to see anything like that, but um, I'm going to go with Dylan Sampson again. I think that, you know, he'll get get a chance to get some more carries as well um, early on in that game and, and kind of, again, not, not going to be really needed to, to <laughs> change the trajectory of this one, but I think to put Tennessee up comfortably and start getting those guys that we were just talking about into the game, I think Tennessee, again, we're going to see a lot of running. Um Obviously, a good game, too, to, to work out some passing game kinks that, that they had mm -hmm. Saturday. But I do think the run game is still going to be impressive uh, Saturday. And I like Dylan Sampson to have a, a big yardage 
game uh, in the first half. Noah, give me Miko. I think he's going to be the big standout on Saturday. I, I really do because theoretically this this starting unit shouldn't be needed past halftime. They'll probably come out after halftime and, and get a series or two, really extend that lead. And it'll be Nico's game to, to show off what he can do in front of the home crowd with the lopsided score. He should get some series in. He, he played two series, I think, against UVA, threw the ball maybe three times. Uh, didn't really get a chance to, to truly show off what he can do. This should be the, the game to do that uh, against a, an opponent that shouldn't be able to really hold up with, with Tennessee's starting unit. Separation should be there. Nico should get plenty of drives. And it's not even in a run the score up way. And, and I don't think that'll be looked at that way kind of nationally or, or from Austin Peay's sideline where it's just like, hey, we have a freshman quarterback. We want to get him some reps. We're going to let this guy throw the ball. And, and I'm really excited to see what he can do there. And I think that he's going to see a lot of success. We saw it against Virginia on those handful of plays that he was in and, and wasn't just handing off the ball. Pocket presence is great. Athleticism is there. Decision-making look to be there. I'm ready to see him hit on some plays to, to some of those guys like Chaz Nimrod, Caleb Webb. That'll probably be in the game with him and start to maybe get a little bit of that preview for the future in Tennessee because you would think that it's Nico's job to lose next season in his sophomore year. So that's what I'm excited to watch. I think he's going to have a really good game. I think by the end of the game, that'll kind of be the biggest takeaway is, hey, look what Nico did in, in his limited reps. He did a really good job before kind of Gaston Moore and, and maybe Navy Schuler came in to, to finish off this game. So Nico is my projected MVP. You'll take Dylan Samson for we, we didn't name it a, an exact MVP from last week, but I, I think it's safe to say Samson was that guy after yeah. four touchdowns. So so you have him kind of two weeks in a row being yeah. that MVP for the balls, which would be a great start for his sophomore campaign as well. But let's jump into the true or false segment. The first one is. I want to talk about Tennessee and that score. I looked for a line, a betting line, because we did that last year's 28, or oh, last week we did that for Virginia's 28. Couldn't find a betting line yet for this game. So I'm going to put it at 50, it, personally. And I say that because Austin P last week lost 49 to 23. So when I saw that score, my first thought was, what Power 5 team did they play and that they put up a little bit of points against? They played Southern Illinois. <laughs> Austin P. I, I don't want to keep trashing them. It, they're not expected to, to come in and beat Tennessee or whatever, but it, it's just not a great football team this year. So I put that line at 50. If you look back to last year, Ball State, Tennessee beat by 49. Akron, Tennessee beat by 57. UT Martin, Tennessee beat by 41. Missouri, an SEC team, Tennessee beat by 42. And then Vanderbilt, obviously an SEC team. Tennessee beat by 56. So they don't always hit that 50 mark, but it's usually 40-plus in the range. Do you think Tennessee wins this game by 50 or more points, or is it somewhere in the 40s or, or maybe even the 30s? Yeah, I do I do think it's 50 or 50-plus. Um, I, I think you laid out some of those there. It's hard to, to beat any team by that much. You know, as good as this Tennessee offense is, I think you've got – I mean, with the teams you just listed, make twice or three times. Okay, so they've done – or twice – Twice. Twice they've done it under Josh Hypor last, year, last year. Yeah, so last year they did it. I, I do think they will. And one reason I do is I think this defense is so improved. You go back to UT Martin last season, one of the teams they beat by, uh, let's see, 41. Uh, you, 
Tennessee's defense was that was kind of not a great start for them in that game. UT Martin hit some some plays downfield. I don't think they have that problem this year again. And, and UT Martin was probably a better FCS team than Austin P was or is currently. Um, but yeah, I, I feel pretty confident in saying that they they will reach that mark. Um, just be mainly because I think the defense is going to be a lot better. Uh, they just look a lot more improved than they were last year. I'm, I'm going to take the under. I'm going to say false. They they win by less than 50. I agree that the defense this year is better, but I still have concerns about that second unit and that third unit yeah, on the defense. Good, good point. Yeah. You look to Virginia and 10 of those 13 points come late in that game when you're starting to transition some of those younger guys in. I'm not saying that that group is lost and, and all faith is gone in, in that unit, but I think that there's still a lot of learning they need to do. I think they need to see these live reps to kind of get to where they need to be. And I think that there is going to be a little bit of growing pains. And, and I think that Austin P can see a little bit of success on the offensive end late in that game, enough to make it probably a 45 point game. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not right. saying it's going to be close, yeah. but I'm saying I, I think that they'll score a little bit at the end, bring that score a little bit closer and it'll end up being somewhere in the forties, less than 50. Uh, and by the end of the day, Tennessee will, will be happy with the performance, but have, I mean, a lot of film on, on those units that, that don't see the field a lot, which will be great for their development going forward. But you'll take true balls win by more than 50. I'll take false. The next one, I just talked about Nico. I talked about how I'm excited to see him. So I think you can guess my response. <laughs> on this, but true or false. Will Nico throw for two or more touchdowns on Saturday? Yeah, I'm going to go true. I, I do think that, um, again, feel pretty com- comfortable saying that. Uh, what we got to see of him, you talked about it a minute ago, but the little bit we did get to see of him the other day, almost had a touchdown in that game. Um, you know, maybe the ball's a little high, but his pocket presence, we talked about in the, while we were watching him play. We were very impressed with the way he handled himself in the pocket. The play that I just mentioned, you know, the way he kind of sidestepped a guy mm-hmm. and, and just, again, passed me assailed a little bit, but yeah. – um, yeah, very impressed with what little we saw of him. And this will be a really good opportunity for him and for Tennessee fans who've been waiting to see him play. You know, the, the Nashville takeover of yeah. Tennessee fans in Nissan Stadium were obviously very excited when he came in there late. Um, so now he'll have a bigger, a little bit of a bigger audience maybe, or definitely on Saturday. So it uh, should, be, should be fun to watch him play uh, a lot in that second half. But I, I feel pretty good saying that he'll have two or more touchdown passes. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that fans were we're pretty excited in Nashville for for the Nico debut, chanting his name when he took the field. It, it was it was quite the sight for a a true freshman quarterback coming in in, in relief. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll buy the hype too. I'll take exactly two touchdowns. I, I'm I know I, I had some off. I said I'm really excited, but I am a little like uh, you could definitely see him leading a drive and then. Uh, Khalifa, Keith, or Cameron Selden yeah, in yeah. for him, and, and he doesn't get those touchdown passes. But I'll, I'll take exactly two. I think he'll get three or four drives, depending on how the game goes, obviously, because uh, you still want to do get Gaston more, and, and they've even given Navy Schuler in the past some reps. So uh, we'll see how long he's in. I think he'll at least lead two touchdown drives, but but I'll say that he, he gets on the board on, on both of them and, and is the, the guy that throws or, or I guess runs for them. I'll, I'll count both. So yeah, I'll, I'll take true for it. I, I'm not fully confident in that answer, but, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'll bite. I'll, I'll take two as well on my own question there and uh, say, say he he's in the end zone twice. Next true or false question though. 
Joe Milton threw for two touchdowns against Virginia, one to Dylan Sampson, one to Jacob Warren. Well, your big four wide receivers in Brew McCoy, Dante Thornton, Squirrel White, and Ramel Keaton all are yet to catch a touchdown uh, in this regular season. So will all four of them get on the board? I expect a lot of points to be scored by Tennessee. Is Joe going to spread that ball out and, and get four of them? Or I'll even say how many of the four do you think it'll be? Do you think it'll be three, two, one? Or, or do you think they'll have to wait till Florida to finally uh, have one of them find the end zone? Yeah, I, I'm going to go with – two of those guys doing it, but not all four. And I think one reason is, again, Tennessee running the ball really well. Um, you kind of alluded to it, too, a second ago, which was with Nico, not necessarily Joe and that, that first-team unit. But I think you will see some of those big plays downfield where you do have a Ramel deep or maybe a Brew or, or Dante Thornton or Squirrel making some catches deep downfield. But then, you know, any three of those running backs come in and, and finish off the drive, which we saw a lot of that last year as well. I, I think it'll be a game like that. I think you'll see a lot more out of those guys than we did on Saturday against Virginia, but not necessarily all four of them finding the end zone. But I do think at least two of them will, will get in there at some point, maybe even have maybe have a guy that has multiple scores. I'm going to put you on the spot. Which two, if you had to pick right now? <laughs> Oh, man, you know one of them. <laughs> Do I even have to say? An all-SEC player. Yeah, all-SEC receiver, Ramel Keaton, uh, will, will, I think, get his touchdown this week. And with uh, the other, I'm, I'm going to say Dante Thornton because we didn't get okay. to see a ton of him, if you're counting him in that four, in that rotation. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, we didn't get to see a ton of him the other day, but a guy they kept in the game a long time, we talked about that. I, I think maybe to help continue to get him acclimated to the offense – and this is a good game, I think, that we'll, we'll finally get to see. Another guy that, that came in as a transfer, a lot of fans have been wanting to see. I think this will be that game. We'll, we'll get to see that. But it's hard to leave Squirrel out of that as well. Yeah, right. It, it is tough to pick, too, just, just for transparency. We're, we're joking about Ramel just because <laughs> Noah is uh, very high on him. Not, not that it's not deserved. I think Ramel is also going to have a phenomenal year. But, but Noah has very high expectations for Ramel Keaton and uh, – like I said, I, I mean, I, I think a lot of Tennessee fans do as well. I, I do personally, too. I, I think he's in for, for a big year. Um, yeah, I, I want to talk about Ramel really fast, just, just yeah. touch on it. He, he got a little bit of criticism. Not, I'm not going to say it was undeserved because of that drop pass, but he had a good game, I, I yeah. think, on, yeah. on Saturday. He, he made that play over the middle. It's, that was a tough ball to catch with, with guys all around you. He, he brought that ball in. I, I do think Ramel uh, – that's going to be the one that sticks out and the one that he'll think about and the one that fans will think about for a little bit. But I, I mean, I, I have very high expectations for him as well. Uh, and, and I think that Saturday will be a game, even if he doesn't find the end zone, uh, I, I think he'll, he'll have a, a bunch of re uh, receptions and, and receiving yards racked up by the end of it. But I'll take two uh, as well. The two I'll take, I think Squirrel White hits on a big play. I think, well, actually – We'll see if he even plays because uh, now, now that I think about it, yeah, I, I'm not saying I know either way right now. Uh, Josh Heupel, that's another guy he'll be asked about, but he did leave the game against Virginia. So we'll see how precautionary they are. Yeah. So as that came out of my mouth, uh, I remembered that he did get banged up at the end of that Virginia game. So I'm going to take that back because, I, like I said, I don't know either way yet what they're going to do with him. Maybe you do now. Maybe Heupel gives us an update in a couple hours when we go talk to him and you're listening to this on Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh but I'll go over Mel Keaton. 
I, I think Ramel gets his. And then I'll go Dante Thornton. I'll, I'll switch from my scroll prediction to Dante out of the slot. I think Dante gets open down the field, uses his speed, and, and catches a deep one and, and starts his Tennessee career off well with a big play touchdown. So I'll go two as well. I'll go on record, say Dante and Ramel. But uh, definitely the opportunity for, for all four of them, assuming all four play, to have a big game. Last true or false question, though. Will Austin P score more than 13 points? So 13 is going to be false. 14 plus is going to be true. How much does this offense put up? Man, now you're making me have to do math in my head because I'm yeah, like, well, they said they'd score over 50 or they'd beat them by 50. So. so now I'm like, well, what's that leave Austin P? But I, I do not see them scoring more than 13 okay. um, in this game. Uh, but I, I, you know, like the concerns you talked about a minute ago, the second, third team defensive guys, I totally understand that. And, and maybe, maybe that gives Austin P a chance late to throw up some scores there. But right now, I, I would say they're, they're going to maybe 13 is kind of the ceiling for them, kind of like it was for Virginia Saturday. I don't, I don't think they're going to be getting that uh, field position like Virginia hat was gifted, kind yeah. of. But, uh, you know, it, so that, that was going to make them work for it. But, yeah, I, I do think that 13 is kind of the ceiling for them. And, and more realistically for me, I, I would think 10 is probably what they're going to score. But we'll see. Yeah, I'll, I'll take uh, I'll take more than 13. I think that going into halftime, there's a really good chance that they have zero. But, yeah. but as you alluded to and as I mentioned earlier, that second and 13 defense I think is vulnerable enough that they could give up two touchdowns and then all of a sudden you're at 14. And Tennessee probably has 50-plus points. But that that does uh, put that score above the 13 mark that was set. I think I, I, I'll touch on it again. I, I want to say it again. I, I don't think that that second or third team group is horrible or horrific and, and is unsavable or anything like that. I just think that they're very young in a lot of spots and that they could use this type of use this type of film, put put it on film, use this play time to, to really boost their advantage. I think there's going to be some growing pains. I think Austin P could find the end zone maybe twice. Maybe it is exactly 13. It's two field goals and a touchdown. Like you said, we'll have to wait and see, but I'll, t- I'll take 14 or 17 points for Austin P by the time this thing's all said and done. I think Tennessee's defense will look good. I think the offense will look good. I think it'll get out of hand very early. But I think that towards the end of the game, Austin P kind of makes that score look a little bit better than maybe it was, and they finish with about 14 or 17 points. But no matter what happens, I, I guess we'll be there to cover it on Saturday. Me and Noah in the press box, we have you covered over at vaultreport.com with all of our written content. I felt like we did a, a lot of really interesting stuff over uh, last weekend covering Virginia. You touched on Jalen Wright and that connection returning back to the Music City after things stopped at the goal line against Purdue a couple years ago and kind of his triumphant return, obviously a much better result and a really good game from him. Uh, we looked at kind of the X's and O's of some of those big plays uh, on the offensive end, uh, take a look at what the young players did because a lot of them did get in, whether it was Nico at quarterback, whether it was James Pierce, who, who's just a sophomore still, who was probably the, the biggest uh, impact on the defensive end early in that game. Took a look at what they did. Have a lot of stuff coming throughout this week. Like we said, Hypo talking to the media 
uh, in a couple hours. We'll be there to detail everything he says. We'll be there throughout the week talking to coordinators, players, and, and really getting ready for the home opener in Neyland Stadium in front of a sold-out crowd. It should be a lot of fun. Make sure you head over to ballreport.com to stay up to date with everything Tennessee Athletics. And subscribe to the YouTube channel because we have a lot of content coming here as well, whether it is the Vol Report show, whether it is the checkerboard chatter with Tyler Ivins, whether it's press conference clips from what the football team has to say, whether it's me or Noah talking after those press conferences and breaking down everything, you don't want to miss it. So subscribe to the YouTube channel. Links to everything you'll need are in the description below. And thank you guys so much for watching the Vol Report show as we are full steam into football season.